Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. I don't know about you, but I am constantly amazed at the friendships that I see, the connections I see on Facebook. Like, it's like, how does that person know that person? Does anyone find that? It makes you realise just how small the world actually is. And as we've discovered in recent years with COVID, one, how one person can shut down a whole workplace, a whole city, a whole state, a whole country, and ultimately it shut down the world. It's incredible how quickly it can spread. You know, one person infects another five and then those five infect another five and before we know it, we've got a worldwide pandemic. Connection. It can be good or it can be bad. It all depends on who you're connected to. And in the passage that we've just read, Jesus is essentially saying, who are you connected to? Who are you influenced by? Jesus uses the symbolism of a vine which was not lost on the people of Israel and the people of his day. Many times throughout the Old Testament, God referred to Israel as a vine or a vineyard. But sadly, many of the prophets didn't have glowing sentiment for them. Isaiah 5, 1 and 2 says, My loved one had a vineyard, talking about Israel, on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Jeremiah 2, I, as in God, planted you, Israel, like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? Hosea 10, verse 1, the people of Israel were like a grapevine that was full of grapes. The more prosperous they were, the more altars they built. The more productive their land was, the more beautiful they made the sacred stone pillars they worship. Even the psalmist in chapter 80 says, You, God, brought a grapevine out of Egypt. You drove out other nations and planted it in their land. Turn to us, almighty God. Look down from heaven at us. Come and save your people. Come and save this grapevine that you have planted, this young vine you made so strong. Preserve and protect the people you have chosen, the nation you made so strong. We will never turn away from you again. Keep us alive and we will praise you. Famous last words. But now in John 15, Jesus is saying that he is the true vine. And in contrast to the people of Israel who were unfaithful and disobedient, that we can remain, or some versions say abide or be present in him. Who is a gardener here? A few of you. So apparently for a grapevine to continue producing good fruit, it needs to be pruned 
and any branches that are more than a year old should be removed because apparently grapes only fruit on one-year-old canes. Did you know that? I didn't. So, so once they've produced the fruit for the season, they won't produce again and they become old and unproductive. So what does that tell us? That in order to bear fruit, we must remain fresh. How do we remain fresh? By being connected to or abiding in the vine, Jesus, and by keeping a regular rhythm of work and rest, seeing it as delight. Jesus said to the crowds and the disciples in Matthew 23 that the Pharisees and teachers of the law are official interpreters of the law of Moses and to follow their teaching, but not to do what they do as they don't practice what they preach. He went on to say that they crush people with unbearable religious demands. There were so many rules about carrying, reaping, planting, sifting, weaving, burning, tearing, cooking and so many more on the Sabbath. There were 39 distinct rules and then they carried literally hundreds of interpretations of that. For instance, to pick flowers was considered reaping, so you couldn't pick flowers on the Sabbath. Braiding hair was considered weaving. Separating good fruit from the bad was considered winnowing or sifting. A Sabbath's journey wasn't allowed to be any further than 2,000 cubits from home, which is approximately 900 metres. And I measured that. That's basically from here to Hampstead Road up Collingrove. You weren't to lift anything heavier than the weight of a dried fig because that was considered work. You couldn't throw up an object and catch it because that's also work. You couldn't cut your nails or your hair because that's considered reaping. And there's so many more. Sabbath was created by God as a time of rest, renewal, reflection, and mostly a time of enjoying and delighting in the presence of God. When he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses... He included this fourth commandment to remember the Sabbath because of their tendency to forget God. However, the Pharisees and teachers of the law had now made so many man-made rules and regulations, they missed the whole point of Sabbath. The burden that they were supposed to not carry had now become an even bigger burden. And Jesus said in Matthew, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He then goes on to say, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The message version says it like this, Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Jesus is inviting us to be connected to him, to abide in him. And there, in that space, we'll find rest for our souls. We'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
And since Christ is the fulfilment of the law, observing Sabbath is now less about the law and more about best practice. The Apostle Paul refers to the Sabbath as no longer binding since the reality, Christ, has come. He says in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. A shadow is not the real thing. It only mimics the real thing. So keeping Sabbath was one of the Ten Commandments, but Christ is now the fulfilment of that. It's in him where we find true rest for our souls. And Paul says a similar thing in Romans, and I like how the message version has put it. Romans 14, 5 to 6. Say one person thinks that some days should be set aside as holy and another thinks that each day is pretty much like the other. There are good reasons either way. So each person is free to follow the convictions of conscience. What's important in all this is that if you keep a holy day, keep it for God's sake. If you eat meat, eat it to the glory of God and thank God for the prime rib. If you're a vegetarian and eat vegetables, eat them to the glory of God and thank God for broccoli. As humorous as it might sound, he's saying that whatever you do, make sure you're glorifying God in it. That's the main thing. Be thankful. Be grateful. Savour the moment. Be present in the moment. In other words, if God is calling you to Sabbath for a full 24 hours, great, do it. If he's calling you to do a digital detox, do it. If he's calling you to set aside a particular evening, do it. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God and with gratitude. But if he hasn't called you to do something, there's no need to feel guilty or condemned or compare yourself with someone else. Your walk with God is unique and unlike anyone else's. So we need to find out what God is saying to us individually. Now our theme for this year is reawakening. And in this series on Sabbath, we've been looking at reawakening our relationship with God. Do you need to deliberately set aside some time with God? Are you feeling a bit stale in your relationship with him? When was the last time you had a fresh revelation where the Holy Spirit revealed something to you and you had a wow moment? Can you remember the last time? I encourage you, spend time with God. That way you can stay fresh and connected and delight in him. But don't feel guilty if you can't set aside a whole day. I know we've been discussing, you know, the whole Sabbath is from nighttime, nightfall on Friday through to um, Saturday night. But if you can't set aside all of that time, then do what you feel God is calling you to do. Don't feel you need to do it just because everyone else is. God says obedience is better than sacrifice. What's God calling you to do? Whatever shape or form a Sabbath rest may take for you, 
it's quality of time that's far more of value than the quantity. Sabbath rest is more about our spiritual and our mental attitude and less about how long our Sabbath might last, whether that's a day, an evening or an hour. It's not just about restoring ourselves to be more productive, but it's about having a right attitude to work in the first place. Did you know that work is actually a gift from God? In his provision to us, it's his provision to us to enable us to put food on the table and it was never intended to be a chore. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 2.15, it tells us that he invited them to tend it and care for it. It was only because of sin that God then cursed the ground with thorns and weeds so that man had to work hard for his food. When we work for the Lord, and by that I don't just mean our ministry in church within these four walls, but when we work in whatever capacity and wherever he has called us, we are blessed. If you're doing what God has called you to do, whether that be in a paid vocation, as a full-time mum, as a housekeeper, as a volunteer in your community, or as a student, however you spend your days, if you are working for the Lord in whatever that is, whatever he's called you to do, and your attitude to your, to it, towards your work is good, then you are blessed. There's a specific God-given anointing that comes on you when you're walking in his will. It's only when we step out of that or resent what we're doing and where he's placed us or we try to do more than God's called us to do, that's when we feel the burden and that's when it feels like a chore. Ecclesiastes 2, 24 to 25 says, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? And Ephesians 5 says, Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Jesus said, Let me teach you, and you will find rest for your souls. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you can be so tired that you can hardly keep your eyes open tired in the evening. So then you go to bed and suddenly everything that you haven't done, everything that you plan to do, every conversation you've ever had, everything you should have said, every bill you should have paid suddenly comes to mind and you're wide awake. Found that? Why is that? Because your body and your soul needs to rest. If we are carrying our burdens of the day and not laying them down before God, then we're carrying a burden we were never meant to carry. I was guilty of this. Since Dad became ill and then passed away last year, there seems to have been an endless string of things, work-related, family-related, health issues, which have contributed and increased my stress levels. And I was carrying a burden I was never meant to carry. Taking a whole day of Sabbath when you work full-time is near enough to impossible because there's still work to be done at home, washing, shopping, cooking, cleaning. Mark and I decided we would take a couple of weeks off in June, so we headed up to Queensland in the warmer weather. 
where we could just relax and read books and deliberately shut off from work and just be present in the moment without a hundred other things demanding our attention. I ended up becoming quite sick in the first week and I think it was just because my body finally had a chance to relax and to stop. Since that time, I've started to take one day off a week, one day a week off of work. And although I haven't quite settled into a regular rhythm yet, it has nevertheless been very beneficial for my well-being. It's a time where I can just forget about work and just be. Sometimes we need to stop doing and practice just being. I'll say it again. Sometimes we need to stop doing and practice just being. Being connected to God, abiding in him, remaining in him, being present with him. And as Andrew said earlier, be still and know that I am God. And that be still just means chill out, relax, stop and rest. Without rest, we miss what God is inviting us into so that we can know him more fully. There's a beauty and a delight in rest and in abiding in Christ. When we abide in him, it's like curling up in our favourite chair, in our trackies or in our oody, and just sitting by the fire with your favourite drink in hand and just chatting away to your best friend. It's just organic. There's no effort. Have you ever stopped to wonder what life would look like if God hadn't rested on the seventh day? You know, even nature has written into it a rhythm of rest. Have you noticed that? Every year during the winter months, there are trees, plants, seeds, animals, hibernate and rest during the winter. Dormancy conserves energy during the harsh winter conditions in readiness for spring. Even farming has a Sabbath period where the land is given time to regenerate and rebuild the nutrients in the soil. We don't see that as much nowadays because we've got machines that can put fertiliser and nutrients back in the, in the soil in a short space of time. But God built into nature and in biblical times, it was very necessary. So when God rested on the seventh day, after six days of creating, he set a precedent. Man was created on the sixth day, so Adam and Eve's first full day was Sabbath, a day of rest. A rest from what? They haven't done anything. It's not a rest from anything. It was a day of abiding, just being in the presence of God a time to get to know one another. And we see this in so many other areas of life too. Newlyweds, they go on their honeymoon and they spend time just being with each other and getting to know each other before the real work of marriage begins. <laughs> and students, when they transition from high school or into uni, they'll have an orientation day or an orientation camp and it's time where they can just get to know one another and just be with one another before the real work year begins. Breakfast. Breakfast is what we eat after we've had an overnight fast. 
It's a rest for our bodies in more ways than one. In my previous car, I had written into its computer programming a rest reminder. It would come up if you were driving continuously for two hours and remind you to have a break. We have full stops at the end of sentences. It's a way of momentarily stopping and reflecting on the previous sentence and catching our breath before we go to the next. The great composer Mozart says, the music is not in the notes, but in the silence between. Rests are written into music to create a beautiful melody that is not rushed. What's the melody that God has written into your life? What's the rhythm? Where are the rests? It won't be the same as the person next to you. Their rhythm and rests will be different to yours. No two tunes are alike. God's very good at creating one-offs. After creating the heavens and the earth in six days, God rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Genesis 2.2. This doesn't mean that God was tired and needed a rest. God's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. He's got all the power in the universe, so nothing tires him. And whatever he does won't diminish his power at all. So why did God rest on the seventh day? Simply, he stopped what he was doing. And similarly, we read in Hebrews 10.12 that Christ stopped what he was doing. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. God stopped. Jesus stopped. There was nothing more to be done. God spoke the word, created the world, and then he rested and set an example for man to follow. Jesus is the word, and in him we are a new creation. And now he invites us into his rest. When we abide in Christ, when we remain in him, this is true rest. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nothing. Anything we do that is not established and rooted in Christ is a complete waste of our time and energy. So I encourage you this week, take some time to just be. Take a moment to observe God's handiwork, God's goodness. We've already talked about that this morning, how God is good, even when we can't see it. But try and see, take some time out to see, really see his goodness, his beauty, 
his majesty. Listen to the birds tweeting. Smell the roses. Enjoy the many and varied cloud formations. Go for a walk and notice the things that you miss when you drive. Sit and observe people as they go about their day. Hear the waves as they break on the rocks. Smell the sea air. Feel the wind in your face. Gaze at the vast array of stars on a dark night. Pat your dog. Hold hands with someone you care about. Listen to the music and enjoy the rests built into it. Notice the deep detail in a leaf. Think about the blessings that God has given you. When we take time to enjoy God's creation, just as he did on the seventh day, his handiwork, his blessings, his presence, we make work a delight. We make life a delight. We make rest a delight. Now this week's weekly practice, as we've been having every week, is photo of the day, but it's with a twist. We're not just taking a photo of something that's necessarily photo-worthy. This concept is to encourage you to look at the photo from a different angle. And using your camera or phone, capture something that captures your attention, that causes you delight. Something perhaps you hadn't noticed before. It doesn't need to be a, a quality photo. You don't necessarily need to show it to anyone. It's to remind you of God's goodness. And gives you an opportunity to delight in him. There are more details in the handouts, which will be in the cafe, I'm assuming. Oh, Andrew's going to email them the details. So then you'll know what you need to do. But just as the singers and musos come back, as we sang before, all my delight is in you, Lord. In the silence, in the stillness, I know that you are God. Let's remember that this week. Sometimes we can be so busy rushing around. Take a moment to pause and smell the roses. Take a moment to delight in God, in who he is, in his creation, in his goodness. Let's make a conscious effort this week to set aside some time to just be. We were designed to have rest. We weren't designed to be crazy busy all the time. Lord, I thank you. I thank you not only that you are good, but I thank you that you have given us an opportunity to take a Sabbath rest where we can just focus on you and delight in you and abide in you and spend time with you. 
thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that you sent your son to die in our place so that we could have life, so that we could have abundant life. I thank you for everything that you are, everything that you've done, everything that you're going to do. Just give you praise, Lord God. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.